Um, When Nancy asked me a few days ago if I would speak to you on what prayer means to me, my first thought was no. Too busy, I won't have time to memorize and write stuff, it's it's not going to happen. There's no way I can make that perfect. Then my second thought was, in Jesus' name, amen. That's the reality of prayer for me. What I think should happen, and then what God thinks should be done. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a plea to God to be merciful, full of grace, and love for his creation. So here's a few thoughts that I took down. Prayer is a way that I relate to God and to others. It's a way to open myself to change and growth in love, an orientation towards God, an ongoing open discussion with one far greater than myself. In my experience, God is always available and willing to listen. But the challenge in this relationship, as in any relationship, is my listening. The more that I read the Bible, the more I realize that there is to pray about. I frequently pray portions of Psalms during my morning devotion time for guidance and discernment in that area. Lord, show me the way or light my path. In fact, a portion of Psalm 86, teach me your way, Lord, so that I can walk in your truth. Make my heart focused only on honoring your name. I give thanks to you, my Lord, my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify your name forever because your faithful Lord toward, love towards me is awesome. And because you've rescued my life from the lowest parts of hell is typically my opening prayer. But I've grown in my faith through worship, Bible study, fellowship, and I frequently hear the words, be still, also from the Psalms. In other words, quiet yourself and listen. Let me work through you. I'm with you. I mentioned that prayer is also how I relate to others. God has shown me through prayer how to listen and see others. In short, how to love others his way. He's given me my position in the universe, to love him and you. He doesn't often give me specifics, but that's on me. There's no magical formula that I've discovered on how to pray to God, just simply to do it. And it's not just me asking God or talking to God or telling God what I think needs to be done, or even God talking to me. It's about acting upon those words. People have often asked me how I'm able to keep going from growing crazy in our house with uh, so many preschoolers. That's prayer. (laughs) Lord, help me with this screaming kid. Love him. Lord, Is this kid ever going to go to sleep? Love her. And my most frequent prayer? (sighs) That's a prayer of frustration. God understands that prayer because he prays it several times over me. Yet the answer is still the same. Love them. It's open-ended. Find a way to love them through this situation. Prayer is how I relate to you. I may or may not know you personally, but I do know that God loves you and desires to have a relationship with you through the Holy Spirit, and so I pray to be a part of that. Collectively, as a church, we are one body united by Christ. If our hand is hurt, we pray for healing, but we do more. We bandage. If we're weak, we pray for strength, but we do more than that. We exercise. If we're hungry, we pray for provision, but we do more than that. We commune and share. We should be moved to action by listening to God's word. When we do something out of obligation, we do what we can. When we act out of love for another, we do all that we can to help, to teach, to serve, to simply listen, to love others through everything we do every day. God has broadened my understanding of love beyond myself through prayer. It's brought me peace, a prayer we often pray here weekly with Sandy. Not just an end to fighting or restoration of calm, but of shalom, a wholeness, completeness. 
a unity we desire with God for the world. That's also a prayer that we do weekly. Your kingdom come. Simply put, prayer should be part of everything that we do. It is who we are as Christ's disciples, the body of Christ, the image of God, the very love of God for our world, to be moved to action through our conversations with God. It doesn't have to be perfect. I leave you with the Jewish daily prayer called the Shema, a word which is often translated to listen and obey. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Israel, listen. Shema, our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. Jesus adds that second part, that others will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love each other. In Jesus' name we pray that that kingdom comes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord, my Redeemer. And not because of me, but in spite of me, let your people hear your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church family. (laughs) I would like to thank God for his safekeeping and also praise him for his love, his grace, and generous mercy. I would like to thank you. For, for welcoming me and this op- extending this opportunity to be with you this morning. I would also thank Pastor Charles for sharing his pulpit and blessing me with this opportunity to share God's word with you. Along with my family who are here with me, uh, my son Edmund, as well as his wife, our daughter Tiffany, we are so excited to be part of your discipleship journey for the next uh, three Sundays with today's focused on prayer. I would like to also thank Mike and Don for sharing their reflections about their prayer life and the importance of this discipline. Because developing a consistent life or a discipline of prayer can be challenging, given how busy our lives can be. Yet, prayer is so critical to the strengthening of our personal relationship with Jesus and for our faith journey. I think we can all agree that today's lifestyle is more hectic than those of our parents and grandparents, say about 40 to 50 years ago. Even little children, I find, have busier schedules than when I was growing up, right? There are more um, after-school sports, there's dance lessons, piano, wrestling, I mean, tutoring, play dates, right? I remember a time growing up and walking to and from school, being able to play outside after doing homework, and the rules were be in before it's dark, Walking down to the neighborhood market was a norm, but I think we can agree that life, as those of us who had those experiences, have changed with the fear of so many things that can happen to our children. Behaviors and choices by other people can cause us to change the way we live. Also, 
we don't have to look far to realize how technology has changed so much and influences our day-to-day lives, right? With cell phones, computers, with people's phones, which can be used anywhere, right? In our hands, even having computers on our wrists with iPhones, right? And computers have changed so much that even I know when I walk out of the store of buying something, it's already outdated before I even get to the car sometimes, right? And, and I remember, by show of hands, I mean, how many of you remember remember things before computers. I mean, I'll put up both hands, right? Because I was hired to a company, it's now 35 years with the company, and the reason why they hired me were two things. I was able to take shorthand at 100 words per minute, and I could type 100 words per minute, right? And that basically, so I could take dictation. We were using typewriters and ca- with carbon paper so we can make copies. And taking shorthand, I mean, even my kids, they're like, what is that, right? It's no longer taught these days or even discussed. I remember when the first computer was introduced and how I struggled with the transition from typewriter to computers. And when I had a chance in the late 1990s to drive a company car, that one of the few that they had a cell phone in it. I mean, this thing was huge. It was there, and it had the little antenna at the top of the roof. And I thought, wow, this is cool, right? I mean, we're not talking that far away, but... You know, technology advancements continue, and I know I struggle to keep up with how to use these bells and whistles, right? I'm always asking the kids, now, what do I do with this? It's an app, or is there an app, you know? We hear that there are two things of which are certain, right? And that are death and taxes. But these days, I think we can add a third, and that's change. The results of constant change in this fast-paced lifestyle that we experience filled with change that some of us find ourselves. And in this day and age where everything is measured related to that change, right? We have things, metrics that measure our success because the expectation is to do things better, sometimes faster. And so we can be certain that there's continuously change. Don't get me wrong. Change can be a good thing to improve our lives, advancement in medicine, in treating illnesses, right? Improvements in technology helps us in so many areas of our day-to-day lives. But sometimes, sometimes, we don't have the patience to live through the challenges of change, to reach what is in store for us. It is so easy to get caught up in what is in around us, what styles of behaviors are acceptable, that sometimes disrespect can be tolerated and eventually accepted. I'm reminded of the Israelites that when they were brought out of Egypt, they were prisoners in a foreign land for a long time. Then God, through Moses, brought them out of bondage. Change was afoot, And they got to see firsthand the many miracles that God performed as part of his plans to rescue them. Each miracle for the Israelites, which was a plague for the Egyptians, was greater than the last. With such fast-moving change that included parting the Red Sea to allow them to walk across, I would have thought that the Israelites would remember how powerful their God was and how much he loved them. He loved them so much and experienced, and they got to experience that love firsthand that I really would have thought they would have complete trust in God. But we know how the story ended. The Israelites that were delivered from bondage in Egypt did not enter the promised land, and that included Moses. It is only an 11-day journey, but it took them 40 years 
Why did it take them so long to make such a short journey? Because we understand that some were stubborn, disobedient, rebellious, and even referred to as stiff-necked people who complained a lot and were constantly ungrateful for the good things that God did for them. But you know what, church family? I'm glad that's not us because we are not like them, right? We do not complain when we don't get our way. We do not complain when our feelings are hurt. We are not stubborn and don't want things to stay the same. I'm just so grateful we are not like them. In Exodus 14, we hear how the Israelites moaned against Moses. At one point, they even wanted to stone Moses. God gave them everything they wanted, and still they complained about their hardships. And finally, God's anger towards them came to a point where he disowned them and threatened to wipe them out. They ended up bringing judgment upon themselves. How quickly the Israelites forgot how God provided food for them from the sky every day as much as they needed when they were hungry. How he delivered water for them from rock, from a rock when there was none there. All he wanted from them was their commitment to him as he was committed to them. He provided the law through the Ten Commandments that Moses brought, and he made his expectations clear, just like those of us who are parents or leaders, we explain what we expect of our children and those we lead. God was saying to the Israelites, as he says to us today, I know you have made mistakes, but I am your creator and God, and I will still love and provide for you. You do your part, and I will do mine. But like parents, we have to discipline our children or we will continue to make the same mistakes that can be very painful and can lead to our early death. But the Israelites, like some of us today, got impatient and decided to take things into their own hands and make their own change. Some of us today, we say, we trust in God, and yet perhaps our action says otherwise. We talk about people like they are anything but a child of God. We judge others' actions or shortcomings as if I'm perfect. Some of us feel we are entitled to be treated a certain way because we have done so much for our family. We have done so much for our church. We have put in so much time at work. I think that's a dangerous and slippery slope that starts with judgment, anger, disappointment, and eventually distancing ourselves with, from our relationship with God. And that is what the enemy, the devil, is after and all about. That we spend more time on the distractions of life and not make time for our relationship with God. The one thing that provides the peace that surpasses understanding, it is our relationship with God. So the question is, so how do we develop that relationship? For me, prayer is critical. How many of you remember what it was like when you were in a new relationship? Right? I remember when I first met my husband, and that was many, many years ago. But I remember all I wanted was to just be with him. And if I wasn't with him, I just wanted to talk to him. All my time, my free time, that's what I wanted, right? And that is what prayer does for our relationship with God. Simply stated, I believe it starts with the conversation that we heard earlier, right, with our Creator. I was raised in the Tongan tradition where prayer can be very formal. But I thank God because now I realize it's a conversation. 
I'm talking to my God, and therefore I can just be me, because he already loves me just as I am. He knows my imperfections. He is just waiting to hear from me. So I give him my praise. I give him my thanks, but I also make my requests known to him, be it prayer for others, my own needs, or to help me do better. But the important thing is start the conversation. And don't be worried that it has to be this way, that way, or a specific length of time. Sharing with God what is in my heart and what is impactful in my life. A pastor once said about the length of prayer. This pastor said, basically, take as long as you need. Doesn't, there should not be any time to it, right? And my prayers change, sometimes daily. You know, but I will tell you, before I get up and out of my bed in the morning, the first thing I do is, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning and adding another day to my life, right? From there, I then have conversations, exactly like Mike said, throughout the day, based on my needs and frustrations. At work, sometimes you'll catch me sputtering under my breath, and I know people are wondering, what's going on? I'm basically praying so that I can keep myself right, and, and, and it really helps to center me, so oh, yes. In good and bad, I pray and have gotten used to it. And if you don't already have a consistent prayer life, I challenge you to try for the duration of your discipleship journey over the next three weeks. Like any muscle, the more we use it, the more we get comfortable with it, right? From personal experience, I can tell you that when the strength of that relationship is our priority is when we operate at a level of peace where not much bothers us, right? That's because the joy of the Lord is better than any material thing we can buy. Even having so much money won't give us joy or peace. We may think so, right? But all we have to do is read or hear about celebrities and rich people who have had so much money and lived in fear of losing it all or being isolating themselves from others or made choices that further change the course of their lives. So how does the plight of the Israelites and how they journeyed for 40 years on what should have been an 11-day journey relate to us today? The situation is to help us learn from their mistakes. While the people are different and the circumstances of our lives have changed, where advances are many, I believe the struggles are still the same. We want to make a better life for our families. We work hard. There is still oppression for those that do not have a voice and for those that look different from us. The Lord does not want us to go back to the bondage of our old sinful lives and back to the slavery of sin, but to continue to walk with him and live in freedom from sin. That is, freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Now, we may not bow to idols and like the ancient people did that we read about, but if we have something or someone in our life that means more to us than our Lord, then that person or that thing becomes our idol, the master, right? And for me, living in this fast-paced, changing environment, I have made my share of mistakes. But I am grateful to say that with God's grace, I have some lessons learned too. And some of those examples for me have included, I used to work long hours and be away from my family. And, and, I wanted, and I did this because I wanted to do good work, but also working towards getting that next promotion. That was something that was important to me. That promotion was important because of my desire to make more money. But what I found was the more money you made, the more money you spend, right? 
Also, being a somewhat competitive person, um, some of those behaviors really came out in very unhealthy ways. And so the lists of lessons learned from me are many. And again, I thank God for not giving up on me, for showing me through the loving eyes of people like my husband and family who remind me that to be a follower of Jesus, I should use the blessing he has allowed me to experience to serve him so that others may want to get to know him. That means doing my best to care, lead with love and grace all the time, and not only when I feel like it. Going beyond those uncomfortable feelings, which are not easy, I have not perfected, but I'm trying. And so regardless of what we have experienced and what is in store for us today or in the future, one thing we can always count on is what Hebrews 13.8 reminds us that Jesus is the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever, right? Jesus is unshakable. He will not give up on us. He is waiting for us, waiting for us, wanting a personal relationship uh, with us so that we can have that with him. So while the world around us is changing, it's such a fast-paced speed, rest assured that our Savior will never change, but there to provide a shoulder for us to lean on when the journey gets rough, and it will get tough. Because as believers, we are not sheltered from life's pains. No way. But those tough times or those painful tests, they give us a testimony to share with those around us, to give them hope. Those tests become our testimonies so we can be tolerant of others' differences. Those tests become our testimonies to help us understand our purpose while we walk our journey of life. We do not have to conform to this changing world, this society, to our neighbors, to others. When we keep our focus on Jesus and strengthening that relationship with prayer, there is a peace that allows us to be comforted when circumstances and and we're also given this confidence that we feel is really unshakable as our faith and life is rooted in the Lord. And that is what the Apostle Paul was reminding us in his letters to the Philippians in in this morning's, uh, the the people in Philippi in this morning's text. That again it says, we should not worry, worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That, my brothers and sisters, is my prayer for each of you, that while life in this fast-paced, changing world continues, that you know that we serve an unchanging Lord who is eager to be in relationship with you. So use prayer as a tool to grow your relationship with our God, and you will not be disappointed. I would also say as I wrap up, congratulations. As you kick off your discipleship journey today, I will be praying for you as you continue on this journey the next three weeks, and I challenge you to be open to what God is calling you or stirring up in your hearts for his work through you and here at Turlock First. So God bless you all and keep you in his perfect peace. Amen. Before our benediction, I'd also like to say happy Grandparents Day. Today is a very special day that President Carter had deemed as Grandparents Day in 1978. And it started 
from a young woman named Marion McQuaid in West Virginia because her grandmother would take her to serve food and visit seniors in the area. And so as somebody who has been raised by grandparents as I have and prayed over all these years, this is a very special day for all grandparents. And I am so thankful for each and every one of you. So family, go forth in peace. Live as free people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day. And may God bless you.